It was supposed to be a vital part of the strategy to get us out of lockdown. Please, download the app to protect the NHS and save lives. In England, the government has launched its new test and trace system. But what happened to the app that it was supposed to be based on? So it may be that the app turns out to be a disaster for everyone involved. It's this grand experiment that no one's ever tried before. Why has all the talk of a grand experiment on the Isle of Wight suddenly gone very quiet? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, what happened to the NHS Track and Trace app? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. England is now supposed to be entering the test and trace phase of fighting the pandemic, and a big part of that was supposed to be technology, using smartphones to keep us all safe from a second spike. Last month, Matt Hancock announced the start of that process, a test phase. So here's how it'll work. Last week, we put in place the testing capability on the island. From tonight, the contact tracing capability will go live. Just one part of the population was chosen as guinea pigs for the rest of us, the residents of the Isle of Wight. I heard of it vaguely in the papers and then something came through the door describing the app. In April, Rose Hornack, like everyone else on the island, received a letter. I will read the instructions now. The app is free to use and you will not be charged for downloading or using it. Do download it to your smartphone so it's with you as you move around. The app seemed to have some teething problems. The NHS COVID-19 app is not yet available to install through the Who Are We <laughs> app gallery. Does that make sense? Who, who? H-U-A-W-E-I, yeah. The app currently supports Apple iOS version 11. I think mine's only a six or something. All over the world, governments are planning to get as many people as possible to use digital contact tracing apps on their phones to track the spread of the virus. But how is the NHS one supposed to work in principle? Okay, so in principle, you download this app created by NHSX, which is the digital innovation arm of the NHS. Tom Knowles is the Times technology correspondent. And 
the apps on your phone as you go about your daily business and it's sending out a Bluetooth signal every eight seconds. And it's trying to pick up anyone else who may have this NHS app. And then they'll make what technical experts call a digital handshake. They'll say, right, we've passed each other. We've seen each other. We'll both log each other's devices on our phones. And then you'll carry on about your day. And all this log of all the other people you pass will be stored for two weeks or others are saying up to a month. Anytime any of those people you've passed have told the app they have coronavirus, you will suddenly be given an alert by the app saying, oh, you've passed someone with coronavirus. We recommend you go and self-isolate. So that's in premise how the NHS X app works. So when the government thought of having an app and they, you know, they announced it with great aplomb, what were the options they could have gone with? Essentially, the NHS X have been working on this tracing app for quite a while, more or less almost since coronavirus first emerged in Britain. The problem is, is that halfway through their development, Google and Apple suddenly appeared and said, oh, we want to help anyone who's producing an app for tracing people who might have coronavirus. But you have to play by our rules. You have to work within our framework which means that you have to go for a decentralized system. Now, a decentralized system is where if I get coronavirus, I tell my app and the app sends this notice to a server and then the server tells every single other person who has this app, there might be someone you've passed who had coronavirus. You should check your log on your phone. The app all does this calculation itself rather than relying on people to do it. And that keeps it all anonymous and decentralized. The NHS want a centralized system where you tell the app that you have coronavirus. That data is sent to a server where the server works out who to tell. And it, it has much more detail about who you might have come past and who may also be in danger, if that makes sense. So the NHS ends up holding lots of data on who you, you pass regularly or where you are? How much can it tell yes. from, from the app? It can't tell where you are. So the only way it would be able to tell where you are is if we were to use GPS, which gives a precise location of where you are. The NHS, as of yet, has decided not to do that. It's just relying on Bluetooth. It can sort of tell where you are because you have to give in the first digits of your postcode. It can also tell if you've met that person several times. It won't know who that other person is, but it could start working out, oh, that person is meeting another device several times a day. So that's the kind of data it could hold. NHS says all they want to do is have lots of aggregate data to work out if they need to fine tune the app at all, if perhaps, you know, something they keep seeing spikes in the virus in certain postcodes, or if people are being alerted, but then, you know, later they're coming down with coronavirus, it suggests that maybe they're not isolating as much as they could have done, that kind of thing. The government seems to have gone for this NHS version what have other countries been doing? It's a mixed bag. Some countries have gone for the Apple and Google model, which is that decentralised version. Others have gone for what we're doing. Others have decided to have a mixed bag. So they might use both GPS and Bluetooth to track people. So yeah, it changes across different countries. The, the issue is, is that no one has really quite worked out how to make this app work effectively. So in Australia, it hasn't been a great success. Uh, Singapore, 20% of the population has downloaded it, but they're still finding issues with how the app works and how it sort of records other people nearby it. So it may be that the app turns out to be a disaster for everyone involved. It's this grand experiment that no one's ever tried before. And you said in Singapore, there's sort of been a 20% uptake. Is there sort of a figure they need 
to have in terms of the number of people who've actually downloaded it for it to work? Well, I don't know about Singapore, but in Britain, scientists who've done uh, studies say not for it to work. They say for it to work, it, it needs a lot smaller number than this. But for it to be the most effective it can possibly be, you would need 60% of the population to download this app, which is obviously a huge amount of people in Britain. And, and that takes enormous amounts of, I guess, advertising and encouragement and will be a, a massive job. I mean, I almost wonder if they would say stuff like, oh, maybe you can only go to work if you download the app, or maybe you can only go to the pub if you download the app. But then that creates problems of, well, it should be up to us who downloads the app or not. So mm. that's a big issue. So they'll find incentives, I guess. Yes, yes, hopefully. You can play your part in the UK's fight against coronavirus. The NHS COVID-19 app lets you know quickly if you've come into contact with someone who has symptoms so you can help stop the spread. The Isle of Wight is actually quite a convenient testing site for this app. Rosamond Irwin is senior reporter at the Sunday Times. It has about 120,000 people. Obviously a contained population, which is the most important thing. More likely to be retired than average, older than average. Obviously people might retire there, it's a beautiful place to live. Given the population of the Isle of Wight, they're slightly less likely to have a smartphone. I think it's about 80% of people in the country have a smartphone. So the government slightly made it hard for itself in terms of that. And how did the people of the Isle of Wight receive the news that they were going to be the guinea pigs? I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but actually people were keen to do this. People felt as though... You know, obviously they were the guinea pigs, but people quite like that sometimes. It's quite exciting. And on top of that, there was a willingness to do something to help the NHS. And I really think that is a powerful motivating tool. We all have been going out and clapping and downloading an app doesn't feel like a huge thing to ask of people, actually. So you can get where that willingness came from. The problem is, is that the government seems to have backtracked a bit on the app now. Uh, originally, it was seen as the thing that's going to get us out of coronavirus. It's going to help solve the issue. And now the government keeps delaying when it's going to be deployed nationwide. It's still being trialled on the Yard of White. So it looks like maybe even the government's having second thoughts about this. They keep referring it to as, as the cherry on the cake rather than a key part of their test, trace and track system. Yeah, because they've launched the programme without launching the app, which was supposed to be central. Were you surprised when they did that? I wasn't surprised because there was murmurs that kept emerging of maybe this wasn't going the way they planned. Now, the government has only said the only reason they're delaying it is to sort out a few sort of back-end issues, maybe do a few up, uh, small updates. You know, they want people to be able to register more symptoms on the app. At the moment, you can only register two symptoms, a cough or a fever and little things like that. But outside experts believe that the government may have come up against uh, limitations with, say, Bluetooth technology. So Bluetooth technology, it works out distance between other people by measuring signal strength. So it works out the signal strength of your phone versus my phone, and from that works out how far away we are from each other. But that's Bluetooth signals are just radio waves, a bit like FM or Wi-Fi. And as anyone knows, those can be temperamental. You know, if they pass a tree or a house or another person or a cat or a dog, it can be affected. The, the Bluetooth signal can be absorbed. Um, and because of all of that, it means that sometimes I could be two metres away from you and my Bluetooth could think I'm actually 20 metres away or vice versa. People have done experiments where they've put two phones on the, on the table 
and the signal seems very strong. They've put the phone back in their pocket, no further distance away, and suddenly the Bluetooth thinks you're meters away. So this is a key issue around uh, you know, how well the app is working. It could lead to lots of false positives or false negatives. I could pass you in the street very quickly you know, across the road and the app might think we've been much closer than we are and sort of log that as a potential danger to you. So that, that's a key problem and no one's really solved that yet. Have you heard much about what they have found from this experiment? What sort of issues have they come across? The main issue that the government is saying is that they found that people prefer human contact traces, humans to get in touch with them. Now, I don't know what that means, but it might mean that people have been ignoring the app telling them to go home, which wouldn't surprise me. I mean, people get so many updates from their apps from their phones all the time that they ignore. It might be quite easy to just ignore something saying you should go home. You may have come past someone who's had coronavirus. So that could be a key thing. Outside experts have said there's privacy and security issues that haven't been addressed yet. They've worked out that, say, a domestic abuser could go into his wife's phone, look at every sort of code of people she has passed that day. If there's someone he's suspicious of, he could go near them, work out if the code is the same on his phone, if that makes sense, and work out that the woman had seen that other person for example. So there's all these kind of also privacy and security issues that haven't quite been ironed out yet, which, you know, the government is saying they are addressing. And that's why they do these trials to get everything ironed out in time. I mean, some security experts are just saying this stuff takes time. It was way too ambitious for the government to say that the app should be launched in mid-May. No one has ever done an experiment like this before. And of course, you're going to come up with issues and therefore it should be ironed out before you deploy it nationally, because the main thing you want is trust. And so you want everyone to be completely secure in the belief behind this app. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And is the app itself a success? So this is coming from people on the island. There's a number of problems. It seems to be generating quite a lot of false positives, and that's the biggest problem of all. The second one, there was an initial concern that it was going to have to run sort of live in people's phones, so it wouldn't work when your phone wasn't active. Uh, This was particularly true on iPhones. And actually, that's quite a big problem because your phone is sleeping quite a lot of the time. That would just be normal. And the idea that it would only work when you were actually actively using your phone, that would be a problem. 
The other problems have been things like battery usage. It is said to use up a lot of the battery. I should add that the government denies that, but lots of people have complained about that. It doesn't work on older phones, so there are limits to its success. But those are all sizable problems. From what you understand of the privacy around this app that's being trialled on, on the Isle of Wight and the assurances that the government can give... Would you download it? This is a really tricky one. My mother and my brother both work in the NHS. I would lean towards doing anything that I thought was good for the NHS. But here I have a real issue with it. I have a wariness about government surveillance that I think probably quite a lot of people do. I'm afraid I'm one of those people who's a bit paranoid about what I use for search and... I don't entirely trust that the government holding of this data will be secure. That's my feeling. And my secondary feeling would be that if this app is extended into something bigger where it has, say, my medical information tied to it, that's when I'd really worry. And there is speculation that that could happen. Uh, It's not a definite thing yet at all by any stretch. But um, there's a sort of phase two of the app that's been talked about or speculated about, and that would be there. It's not just Sunday Times journalists who are concerned about the privacy implications. A few days after the Isle of Wight scheme launched, Parliament's Joint Committee on Human Rights raised similar concerns that the scheme wouldn't sufficiently protect the right to privacy. And the Ethics Committee, set up by the NHS to monitor the project, has also raised questions. I I think Ireland has genuinely felt proud that we were doing something to help the rest of the country. That's Bob Seeley. He's the Conservative MP for the Isle of Wight. We know it's good for us. We know it's good for the country. We know it gives us an extra layer of protection. As far as I'm concerned, we got the island to the front of the queue to get the beginnings of the testing service and the app tracing service, the beginning of the tracing service here, and that was important to us. Have people on the island been worried about privacy issues? No, I'm tempted to say I haven't had a single constituent who's raised... Um, data privacy um, issues. I'm just wondering if I've even had any letters from, uh, from from folks on this. If I have, it's been in very, very small numbers. I mean, the word of mouth is that clearly a lot of Huawei phones have had difficulty downloading this and some Samsung, which are also technical issues that NHSX is trying to resolve. But when it comes to privacy, data privacy issues, I mean, the, the amount of people who've been concerned about it has been remarkably f- few. I'm defending the app because common sense tells me that, A, the NHS has a lot of information on me anyway because it has our health records. And secondly, this is an NHS app that asks you for the first part of your postcode and that's it. And it doesn't track you. And they're only finding out information about um, who you're coming into contact with because your anonymised phone is coming into anonymised contact with other people's anonymised phones. I mean, I understand that um, the Ethics Committee on this on this trial have also said that there's a, a real issue with sort of privacy flaws on the app and that it couldn't be rolled out across the country as it is because of those issues. If that's the case, I'm afraid to say I am unsighted on that. And um, I, I would just say this, that I have never been asked to download an app which has asked for less information of me. It doesn't even want to know my location at first, certainly, until I order a test through it. So I'm afraid for me, there is nothing more ironic than people going onto Facebook 
to complain about the loss of privacy from an app that asks you for the first half of your postcode and then asks for no other information until such time as you want to ring a telephone number to order a test. Sure, but this isn't Facebook criticism. This is the Ethics Committee who are actually advising on this particular trial who think that there are privacy flaws. Well, uh, this is being put through the um, Ethics Committee and the Ethics Committee have been working very closely with NHSX on that. So I'm afraid to say that's very stupid of me, but I do not know of those issues that have been raised. Uh, If I've missed them, uh, I apologise. Do you think it'll be a very different app that eventually gets rolled out across the country? I think there's a decent chance of that, yes. But also I think we've got to remember the timing here. This now isn't part of stopping the first wave at all. This is about stopping a second spike, potentially. The government had committed to this being ready in mid-May. It obviously wasn't anywhere near ready. And the further thing to say is... This was flagged originally as the great sort of solution to this problem. But actually, any expert will say to you, that was a sort of overblown selling of it. What you need as well is manual contact tracing efforts. And there have been questions around how well those people have been trained, the people doing the manual contact tracing. And that's when you would get a phone call telling you that you had come into contact with someone who had since developed coronavirus. And the other point here is you need rapid testing. That is fundamental to having a test and trace system that actually works. You know, there is a lot to iron out before this is ready, it feels. But actually, we need it now. So there's the ultimate problem here. The need for speed, but the need for efficacy too. It is difficult to deliver both. I'm not unsympathetic to that. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, why isn't this perfect? I completely accept that this is a big challenge, but I do think the government oversold it from the beginning. And how is this experiment and how it's gone so far, how, how is that being seen politically? Well, I think that's a really interesting question because the government essentially shut up about this. You know, having championed it and shouted about how brilliant it was suddenly they went terribly quiet about it and when Boris Johnson came back and did his first sort of evening briefing back when he had recovered from illness and he was talking about sort of gently easing lockdown the big thing out of that was he didn't mention the app at all and I thought that was really telling they knew it had gone quite wrong at that point. Do we know how much this trial has cost? So we've got a bit of information about that. At the moment, we do know what the government has spent in terms of contracts. When I last it, that was about £8 million. And that's not just the trial in the Isle of Wight. That's what it's paying overall. And I think there are maybe other contracts that have since been filed by the government. But it's not a crazy amount of money, given what we spend on other things. And I would say... You know, we're in very strange times and I don't think this, unless it really doesn't work at all, I don't think people would necessarily begrudge the spending here. You know, there is a sort of need to act urgently and I think people might accept in a way they wouldn't normally a bit of waste. You know, we are very critical in the media of what we perceive as waste and I can understand why people would have been angry about that, but that could have been this. And I think it is worth remembering that some spending when you have to spend really quickly 
isn't good spending. And I think it's slightly inevitable. And governments have to do certain things, some of which won't work out perfectly. And the app could fall into that space, but it could also be a great success. And I think they sort of also had to try it, frankly. So is it more the time that's been lost and and the urgency of the problem? Yes, you're quite right. The timing doesn't look great for the government because right now we've got other countries who've had them going actually for weeks and we think, why are we this far behind? I'm quite baffled by it, actually. Partly because I've heard that it completely runs your battery out and you get bombarded with messages. But then my my brother and my daughter said, oh, well, you should do it. So I'm sort of slightly having second thoughts, although having read that, I'm not sure I'd be capable. I think what would make me download it was if I really thought it would be a great help to battling the virus. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Times Technology correspondent Tom Knowles, Sunday Times senior reporter Rosamond Irwin, Isle of Wight resident Rose Hornack and the Conservative MP for the Isle of Wight, Bob Seeley. You can read more of Tom and Rosamond's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Oliver Adamson and Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. In these uncertain times, you can keep up to date and well-informed on coronavirus and so much more every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. See you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.